The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm Vice President of Guildhall. I am joined by Darren Long, Senior Vice President of Sales. And what a week it's been in the medals. We've got a lot of different topics going on this week, Darren, from pension funds joining the gold party to digital currencies that are going to be pushed by the Fed uh, to who owns physical gold right now in terms of central banks. Let's get started with the week that was. I saw some some headlines yesterday, Darren, about J.P. Morgan uh, having to pay a billion dollars for spoofing the market. And uh, I think their reaction to that was, well, hey, boys, we need to make some money here. Let's push the prices of metals down and make $5 billion while we're at it. Does that sound about right to you? Well, in terms of what we've seen in the last 16 years, Arguably, it's been a very difficult scenario with which to stand by without violently shaking somebody at J.P. Morgan. And uh, Jamie Dimon would be the first person that I'd do that to. Yeah. Because uh, a billion dollars is a lot. Historically, it's the highest ever issued. But it's meaningless. It's a drop in a bucket. And it still goes to show you that in this day and age, people willingly and knowingly collude to create chaos, to create problems in the market. And although it's always alleged, right. they have this time been found guilty of trying to suppress price in the marketplace. Yeah. Again, remember, if you're a buyer in this market, that's suppressing the price to the downside, meaning that when it's released or when they do get the message, and this is something that's been going on for the entirety of the time that Guildhall has been open, there is more than likely to be a slingshot effect on pricing. Well, let's start with pricing. Where are we at for the year on pricing? Well, gold despite up, the pullbacks. Despite the pullbacks, and gold still positive to the twenty three percent range. Silver still up thirty percent, and as we expected, silver continues to lead the way. We mentioned on last week's show that we thought the price might pull back a little bit. We call it we did. The gap. Yes, we did. We, did. we called that one perfectly <clears throat> last week on the show, Darren. You brought an article. You were not scared to say. In this article, they are discussing in terms of uh, the charts and whatnot that the price could get down to $23, and lo and behold, that's where we are. So we're not afraid to stick our neck out on things like that, and uh, we were right in this in this regard. And I think that the idea of lower pricing certainly does scare new people off, Jeremy, because everybody wants something that's a, a proven winner immediately. And that's the mentality that we have in this day and age. But for people who are looking into gold and silver in particular, most of the people that come to our office or that call us, they understand these value propositions. They understand that gold and silver don't have one straight line higher in price and that it is valuable to reset every now and then and think about it from a pragmatic standpoint. Is this a smart opportunity and is right now in terms of pricing related to where it was a month ago a value opportunity? And it is. It definitely is. This is a buying range and it's filling the gaps back to where we saw the price first launch in silver and in gold. Yeah, I saw a great uh, sort of article on it and the person who was talking said uh, uh, they're putting money in our pockets. 
That's what they're doing right, right now. They're literally just putting money in our pockets because we're able to buy it at the lower prices. But there is a limit to lower prices. We saw that back in March, Darren, where the price went down in silver, went down to about just shy of $12 an ounce. And the difficulty was with that was, A, mining wasn't mining it at that price. The wholesalers hadn't purchased it at that price. So how low can it possibly go? Well, the real world market raised premiums massively, so you couldn't buy it for less than $17, $18 anyway. And that's really the same thing here, where over the last month and a half, two months, uh, dealers, wholesalers, they've been trying to restock their coffers, and they've been doing it at higher prices. So now what are they supposed to do if the price is all of a sudden $23? That is some pretty big volatility. You see the price of silver go from a low of $12 all the way up to almost 30. I think we got above 30 and then now it's a pullback down to 23, all in a market where there's literally still no physical product of any large quantities. Uh, that does set a floor in this market. Paper, paper market can do what it will. But the physical market's a different story. So I find when I'm talking with people who are interested in the metals market, they're not really concerned at all about this pullback. In fact, they do see it as an opportunity. The number 1877Silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. And uh, what are you looking at there right now as an article there, Darren? Well, I have an article in front of me from, uh, or uh, this is Stuart Alsop, and he is a research analyst uh, on the macro side, and he's into portfolio strategies and things of that nature. And he wrote this article. It's been posted all over the, the internet. Uh, I found this on Seeking Alpha, which is a very good resource website for writing of this caliber. And this article is just talking uh, in particular about uh, another buying opportunity, as we're seeing a value proposition. It's entitled Precious Metals, Another Buying Opportunity Presents Itself. And essentially what he's saying is that he recognizes that there has been a pullback in metals. And uh, it's, in his own words, provided us with another opportunity to scale in in anticipation of a longer-term bull market. And he goes on further to suggest that while lower near-term prices could occur, the fundamental outlook continues to improve, which should enable gold, silver, and platinum to post higher lows over the coming weeks and months. And he says, people have not forgotten, and the rest of the world seems to be picking up on this in the mainstream, that precious metals are, to varying degrees, a hedge against inflation and financial repression from central banks keeping interest rates far below the rate of inflation to inflate their way out of debt. That's an interesting thing because, you know, central banks want to keep interest rates lower for longer. They all have no intention of raising interest rates for a long time, which means that if you're trying to seek a safe haven, you're not getting any return. If you have a million dollars, five million dollars, it's not cutting it in terms of giving you a dividend by being somewhere safe. You're now forced to take risks. And the question becomes, how long can the can central banks keep that up? Because the only way that they keep those interest rates low, Darren, as you know, is to buy their own bonds back and to keep the to keep the demand alive because they're supplying the demand. And that's what's pushing the pushing the the interest rates low well by doing that they're sealing the fate on hyperinflation they're sealing the fate on the dollar tanking whether it's the canadian dollar us dollar euro japanese yen they're all doing it they're sealing the fate on the value of that dollar tanking the only other option 
is to stop doing it, which will raise interest rates much higher. And in, and in that sense, it would tank the economy because the economy right now, especially in Canada, is so based on real estate. Would you agree with that? Well, not only is, is our, we're not the only country who's, who's stuck on real estate. Australia, Britain is getting worse, and, and the U.S. has gone through it several times, only to the extent that they've lost so much. Uh, and Canada has not yet had that happen. And in light of all this, I can understand why the average person comes out in the street, reads this and that, uh, and tunes in to higher housing prices. Again, another historic year, up 18% overall in Ontario. It's insanity in the making because one half of the market is really only focused on residential detached, while the real news is in the condo markets, which is to say that there are some, I guess, last check, 17,000 available units in Toronto alone. And that number is going to increase because the projects coming to market are, are still in the high uh, double digits over the next year. So, I mean, you know, there's there's like 40, 50 projects coming it's, to fruition again. It's, it's curious because now you really do find out, um, don't want to go too far into this subject, but for, for years we were told there's not enough there's not enough uh, inventory. There's not enough inventory. And now that borders are closed and there's not as much migration, the question becomes, you know, people are offloading their rental properties, perhaps. Now we're finding out what actually is available. And and to match that as well with the condo market, you do have a new trend of people who want to move out of the city. All of a sudden, they want some backyards. So that kind of leads to the, another question here, Darren. You mentioned Australia before. We've mentioned a little bit of migration um, within the city, moving out of the city, etc. Second wave. They've, well, it's here. They've locked down in Australia. They're locking it's down here. in Europe. Uh, Ford what? just announced 40 minutes ago that as of, I believe, tomorrow, all restaurants, all um, public facilities must close by 12 midnight. Uh, so, again, we're here. We're on the doorstep of this second phase. I don't know what it will entail. I don't know what the numbers will tell us, but people have not gone back to work. Uh, it's It's painfully difficult to digest this and it's probably hard to understand but we are going to revert back to the norm the norm is we go into the urban centers to work and that's where we're heading but in the short term lots of people have gotten the idea that moving further north protects them that getting out of the city and working from home is the right thing to do well we're going to go stir crazy there's no doubt about it you can't work from home forever because it's just not a feasible thing to do. We have to socially be connected in the working realm in order to make everything function properly. Doing everything from distance, what we don't account for is the time delay. So this cycle happening and how it impacts gold and silver, uh, well, I mean, quite frankly, it's, it's in the context of debt. And to accommodate all of these provisions of working from home and supporting businesses through these COVID times, well, our government in particular has seen fit to basically punish our grandchildren's children uh, with the amount of debt they're taking on. And we should talk about that in the next segment. It is, it is extreme and that is an understatement. So let's get into that because that's really where all of this heads is how the government deals with it and what ultimately it means for you, uh, the citizen and the investor. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. You're listening to Global News Radio six forty Toronto, and we will be right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. And uh, we have been talking about the incredible amount of debt that uh, closures and the shutdown of the economy is costing us Canadians. And uh, before we get into a very interesting clip that gets into that topic, and just to give an idea of what the extreme amount of money that the government is is printing and what that's going to mean for us and the consequences for us down the road, let's talk about opening a registered account. At Guildhall, we offer physical product in registered accounts, RSP, TFSA, RIF, LIF, um, RESP. And the way it is, the way it works is, we help you add physical precious metals into your registered account. The product is stored at an IROC approved vault facility, fully secure, fully insured, underwritten by Lloyds of London, and you even have access to the vault to personally audit the holdings. What makes this special is that clients retain full ownership of the specific product, and they have direct ownership of it. There is no third-party liability here. There's no how do I take delivery of this product? It's very easy. It's your product. You can go and see it. If you decide you want to pay withholding tax and take delivery, you can do that. We've had a couple clients do it. It's a relatively simple process. No one holds you back because you own the product. You already paid for it. And that's really the key. And we find, Darren, that people who are interested in this are really running out of options. They're looking at the stock market. They're saying, how can I possibly in good conscience risk my money in this stock market at these massively high valuations, knowing that insiders are selling, knowing that most of these stocks are going up because it's all based on debt and the government funding of that debt. Then they look at the housing market and they say, oh, another debt-fueled bubble. How do, I, how do I in good conscience invest in that knowing that I'm putting my money at risk? And so there's this idea that they're running out of options. And so... Precious metals have typically always been that safe haven because if you buy physical metal and it's yours, there's no third-party liability. There's no counterparty risk. It's like having gold under the bed or cash under the bed. But if you had cash under the bed, the government can still print it into oblivion. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Contact us. Get an investor kit, learn how to hold precious metals in a registered account, and we will hold your hand every step of the way. Darren? Well, listen, with government debt still surging relative to, to GDP and real interest rates likely to head further into negative territory over the coming months and years, uh, this is going to provide support to the precious metals complex. But one thing I want to make very clear, Jeremy, is that I think the common person that's out on the street that doesn't even know about precious metals that might just randomly tune into this show, they have no idea where we stand in terms of what does this mean to me, this debt that we're talking about, this $380 billion worth of deficit, the largest in Canadian history. Where does this stand? I mean, what historically does this mean? And why should I be concerned? If house prices are going up, I'm house rich. You know, I've got no concerns. I've got tons of equity. But let's put it into perspective for a moment. And if we could, I'd like to cut in a clip from um, a discussion point this week in the House of Commons from a, a member of Parliament, 
Pierre Polivert, who, again, many say may in the future be the Prime Minister of Canada, but nonetheless, I'm sure if you know of this gentleman, you'll know he does not mix words. And he put into perspective very elegantly where we stand and where this stands in terms of our debt to GDP and what this means to us. Inflation. So to be fair, let's compare the deficit as a share of GDP in inflation-adjusted terms. This year, the federal deficit is 17% of GDP. To compare, in the worst year of World War I, it was 8% of GDP. In the worst war year of the Great Depression, it was 6% of GDP. In the worst year of the Great Global Recession, it was 4% of GDP. To put it in perspective, our deficit today is twice what it was in World War I, three times what it was in the Great Depression, and four times what it was in the Great Global Recession, all adjusted for the economy and inflation. Only once in our history has the deficit been bigger as a share of our economy, and that was in 1943. 1943, when the government was selling bonds to its people so that it could fight Hitler and Mussolini and Imperial Japan, they put those dollars to work to win the war. And yes, they had a deficit of 23% of GDP in that year, but you know it was different. When our soldiers came back from battle, you might have expected that exhausted and heartbroken from loss, that they would want to take a prolonged vacation and put it on the national credit card and let future generations pay the bill. But they did exactly the opposite. You know how long it took our grandparents to balance the budget after they got back from the war? One year. One year. That was an incredible clip, Darren. We've never been at a, a level of this debt to GDP since we had fought a war against Hitler and that generation was able to pay off its debts inside of a year. We are very far away in terms of our generation gap and how we view money right now in this country. Not only are we very far away, Jeremy, but I don't think the willingness is there to provide, uh, you know, our neighbor, our, our, our colleagues, our working colleagues, the impetus uh, to to drive that debt out of Canada and to make this a strong country. It's easier for people to say, what have you done for me lately, Canada, instead of the other way around? True. I, You know, when I was listening to that clip, I was thinking, okay, you know, in, in, the, in the late 30s, early 40s, we knew, we knew what we were fighting for. What are we fighting? What is this government fighting for now, right? We could even play devil's advocate, but what are they playing? What are they fighting for now? What is the war right now that all of us are involved in letting this debt go this high? Is it just the pandemic? Because I believe what they're actually fighting is for control of the central bank and to keep this current financial system in place. And the more and more people in our industry and the analysts get, you know, dig into these numbers they all come up with the same answer, that this financial system is done. It's over. They're fighting to just try to keep it alive because certain people make money off of the fiat currency system and the central bank system, and that's ending. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people are moving towards cryptocurrencies. 
Speaking of which, in the States, uh, there's a lot of articles out now talking about the fact that the Fed wants to give everyone a digital wallet and put money into that digital wallet to encourage people to get onto that new system. Well, if that is something that we're trending towards, in my opinion, it's a very slippery slope because here in Canada, there's talk of, um, you know, a, a general overall idea of universal income and and it doesn't balance well against things that are fixed you know against gold which you can't print but when you're dealing with debt just add a zero and throw it in there get the approval of a few uh, you know big wigs up in the senate and and a few of the people in the house of commons and and boom before you know it the bank of canada adjusts it and we have more debt on the table but here's the thing one eight seven seven eight silver is the number guildhallwealth.com is the email but here's the thing governments around the world or central banks around the world can print money and say great we're going to do this european european um union can say we're going to you know be as accommodative as possible but the catch is is that their central banks have physical gold sure they do world gold council just came out with a list of those central banks that own physical gold where is canada on that list uh well the world official gold holdings just came out from the world gold council they come out every year and we get them more frequently than that but this is the big one and it lists the top 100 gold holding countries and the amount of their reserves and the tonnage that they have and all of the G8 countries, with the exception of one, are in the top 100. In fact, all of the G8 countries, with the exception of one, are in the top 20. Even the United Kingdom, which basically gave away most of their gold holdings at $250 an ounce under Gordon Brown in yep. early Brown's 2000s. Brown's bottom. Yes. And he became Even prime then, minister. So. He, he got rewarded very well for doing that. Uh, they, they liked him very much for a few years, gave him a nice pat on the back and said, take this golden parachute pension and relax. Yeah. And uh, yeah, seven of the eight countries in the top 20. Canada, if you had to guess, top 20, should be. Top 50, for sure. It's got to be top 50, right? Our, nope. li our listeners know better than that, Darren. Top 75. They, Come on, 75. Our, our listeners know better than that. Top 100, got to be there. We were there last time we checked this. If listeners remember, we were 98th on the list. Okay. We failed to make the list this year. Okay. We no longer have the Mendoza. We're below the Mendoza line, which is called something in baseball when your batting average is below 200. They call it the Mendoza line. We do not even have not 1.8 tons. We don't even have a little bit of gold. You know, uh, We go through 1.8 tons of gold in a month in Gil at Guild Hall. I mean, like back and forth in transactions. For Pete's sake, Guild Hall has more than Canada has. What, uh, what are some of the countries that beat Canada? Oh, my goodness. Uh, should it surprise you uh, that Romania is on there? Uh, Libya is on there. Um, Libya, who had their gold stolen, stolen. directly from them, still Have has more, than more than gold us. than us. Yes. Got it. Uh, Jordan, of course, is on there. There's uh, Tajikistan, the Republic of Tajikistan. Uh, Paraguay is on there. Myanmar, North Macedonian, the Republic of North Macedonian. Um, Macedonia, Latvia, Nepal has more. Nepal has more gold than we have. So here's the here's the takeaway. The takeaway is, 
You cannot depend on the government in this regard to protect the value of the currency moving forward. They don't have anything to protect it. Now, some may say, oh, but we have crown land. Great, sell the crown land and now you do not have a country. You've sold your sovereignty down the river. <laughs> so do not count on the government to protect you in terms of wealth preservation with regard to currency. The only thing you're going to be able to do is get out of that currency and into something that is negatively correlated to that. One of the major things that does that, of course, is gold. So maybe Canada will learn from this. Maybe they'll decide to change course. Hopefully it's not too late. There is time for, for investors to change course and get out of the stock market, get, get out of, get out of uh, real estate perhaps, just diversify a little bit more into physical precious metals. At Guildhall, we can show you how. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. We've got a lot more to go on this show here. You're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. Get some physical precious metals in your hand today and contact us as soon as you can. Just over the break, we were talking, um, well, in the last segment, we were talking about the fact that Canada didn't even make the list in terms of gold hold holdings around the world. And we just wanted to calculate, well, what would it take to get on the top 100 list? Turns out it's 57,871 ounces, which would cost the government $156 million. Well, they just put $440 million into vaccine research. And they just increased the debt by 380 by 380 billion, right, Darren? So um, the question is why they are not motivated to protect to back the currency in any sort of way to protect it. I know we're not we're not on a gold standard. No, but we're there's, not. There's nothing backing the currency in any way to even give. Well, there is to even give people the the faith in the government, there the is. trust in the government. What is there? Freedom, right? You're going to take everything we have. They'll take resources. They'll take land. They'll take whatever they want. Taxes. Yeah. Well, listen, the, the, the idea that Canada is part of the G8 and the broader G20 and that we're a good world citizen, a great country to live in, all that stuff is fugazi because it doesn't pay the bills. What pays the bills are the idea that you have solid financials. That's slowly being eroded. And Canada might argue that, well, we're doing it in tandem with the other G20 nations, and they're all spending like crazy as well. Um, that doesn't excuse it. It doesn't mean that Canada can fix the problem quicker. We don't have the uh, same set of fundamentals at play in our country as we do in others. We are residential rich people. Our, our, our freedom comes from the value of our real estate. That is the single largest financial asset we own in the entire country. Other countries can lay claim to having a manufacturing base. You know, places around the world that have solid manufacturing bases, they have an asset in their manufacturing. The countries that are on this list, Jeremy, they have asset in gold, right? They don't tell you that it's a good, valuable asset. They just keep acquiring it and acquiring it and acquiring it and quietly they protect themselves but if you're going to bet on any one country 
the world's going to bet on a country that holds gold over a country that doesn't if both are the same. Well, you get a you get a seat at the table. You know, in, in you know, we were just talking about in the last segment about uh, World War II, and when Winston Churchill thought, okay, maybe if we lose if we lose the island, if we lose England, we need to keep our sovereignty. What do we do? Let's ship all the gold over to Nova Scotia so that if we have to abandon um, uh, abandon England, we still have sovereignty. We still have a government, working government, because we have gold. But we're just talking here, Darren, about the idea of economic ignorance. And there was a great article put out. It was actually done in The Sun uh, by Matthew Lau. And uh, he was talking about some interesting things. And he was saying, to substitute government spending in place of private sector activity as the federal government wants to do on a massive scale is to substitute the ignorance of government which cannot amass all the necessary facts for economic decision making in place of widespread knowledge dispersed among millions of private individuals so there there feels like there is a movement here towards central planning which goes against our freedoms right because all of these things come at a cost you want universal income well, you don't think that costs you? Mm. You don't think you're going to be asking for a raise in universal income after a year or two when inflation's reared its ugly head? No. You want to be able to bet on yourself, as it were. You want to be able to be productive in the economy and uh, build businesses and have people buy stuff from you and, and be productive. And this really goes against all that. This really just puts a massive headwind in front of the ability of people to to produce in an economy so where are we well you have to start pivoting towards safety and we know Darren from the people that we talk to every day it's a question of where can I put my money to make it safe where can I be and if interest if interest rates are at next to nothing potentially going zero it removes the cost of doing business to be in gold okay it costs you a 1% a year to store it but it's up to over 24% this year how long would it take you to make that sort of interest on a GIC? How long? Long time. Even if, even with a five percent dividend, if the stock goes down, you got you have no collateral. But even if you're getting five percent on a dividend, how long will that take? That's five years, right? So gold is a safe haven because there's a finite amount of it, and that's really something that needs to be considered here. It's important and it's a reality that every uh, person who gets into the gold market faces because they're challenged by these norms that they've come to understand as paper norms where their question is always even despite listening to the show and despite hearing us say physical, 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 one of their first questions which is commonly asked when they call, I've listened to your show for the last year, I have a question for you. So you're telling me that I can actually go and physically touch the metal? We've been so brainwashed to think that that's not probable or it's awkward or, you know, gold doesn't pay dividends. How can you put it in storage? It's not feasible. Uh, that's the reality we're faced and challenged with every day and coming over that and, and getting ahead of that and, and climbing the mountain, as they say, uh, is a challenge unto its own. And and the irony of that, Darren, is, is and we also find this, is that there's this tentativeness towards asset ownership. Right? It's well, well I'm going to I'm going to actually own something. What if they what if they decide they want to confiscate it? Okay. Well, you know, you own your house. 
you're willing to buy a house for million plus dollars and and go into debt for hundreds of thousands of dollars but the concern is about owning an additional asset along with that right so there's a there is a bit of irony there but um, you know it certainly the the concern is warranted um, if the government doesn't have gold what are they gonna do um, my contention is the best thing would be to just nationalize a mine and therefore you could get the gold very quickly mm -hmm. it could also mean kicking out some people who are foreign entities that that are currently mining in Canada so there's there's those things Create as well. a crown corporation to go and mine the gold put it into the coffers that's a simple solution well you just saved the government 400 million dollars for Pete's sakes we're gonna go um, to the next oh, segment 156 million is what you million. saved that's them. correct yeah we're gonna go to the next segment and before we do Cyprus the country that's been embattled in kinds of debt and had their wherewithal ripped from them bank runs and basically it's a broken country and they want to kick them out of the eu for a very long time they have more gold than canada does even after all these problems you are tuned into the real money show with guildhall wealth management the number to call one eight seven seven eight silver or go to the website guildhallwealth.com we'd be happy to get free information into your hands for you to make good decisions about your financial well-being and your health if you believe gold and silver should be part of your portfolio pick up the phone and call us now we'll be right back you are tuned into the real money show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Get some physical precious metal in your portfolio today. One of the things that we've been talking about, uh, if you're just tuning in, is that Canada didn't make the world official gold holding list, the top 100. And we did the calculation. Canada needs 57,871 ounces of gold, which is going to cost a, a mere 156 plus million dollars and they've already spent 440 on uh, vaccine initiatives and the debt 380 billion they've added to that well here's something darren that we can add into the conversation the ohio police and fire pension fund announced it will it would allocate five percent of its assets into gold mm -hmm. uh, the fund has 15.7 billion in assets under management and five percent equates to over 750 million that's like five times the amount that Canada would need to just get on this list. In actual fact, that would probably put the Ohio Police and Fire Pension Fund somewhere in, what, the, the 70 range, number 70 on the list. Jeez. Imagine what happens when more funds, pension funds, decide we just simply can't get a return on bonds and rates have gone negative and there's only so much risk we can take by putting the mark putting things into the stock market or, or other types of fiat currency uh, positively correlated investments we need to diversify with some negatively correlated assets and that's what gold does what would happen if just a small amount of pension funds decided to get into the gold market well let's look at it from the global perspective if you're challenged by the notion of watching gold and silver run higher, one of the questions you might ask yourself is, how long before the cycle's done? How long before the bull market's over? 
And historically, in the past 100 years, outside of the one we're in since 2002, there have been four other major bull markets. And in all of them, participation rates, that means the amount of investment dollars that have been exposed to or directly own either paper or physical precious metals at the very max generally reaches around 20 to 24 percent. That's bubble territory. That's bubble territory. So when you see the lineups in 1979 going into 1980 outside the famous bank downtown, which we will no longer name because we're not giving them free advertising. They're not even allowed to open the vault. People Um, wanted to sell their their candlesticks back then. That's right. Their their dinnerware and everything were lined up. They still had those assets. That's right. And so when you saw that happen, what you were staring at was a market which conceivably was at or around the 20% mark. That's the bull market of the 70s. The most current iteration of this bull market since 2002 has at its very best reached around 25 to 3% exposure to global assets. Now, that's in part because of the dynamic growth of debt worldwide and its relationship in that equation. As a percentage of debt, it's, it's merely nothing. Even when you're talking about Canada buying $157 million of the gold, that would represent 0.0004% of the $380 billion we just spent in deficit spending and debt spending, sir, BI, all the things we're doing this year. So to be on that list of top 100 would take nothing. But in perspective, Jeremy, we haven't even scratched the tip of the iceberg yet. Okay, so limited supply of physical product. You can only add to it by 2% a year. We know in the silver market, silver mine production is way down this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we don't know how long it's going to take to come back. What would prices look like in the precious metals market if we went from even 3% up to, say, 6%? Like, forget bubble territory crazy 20%, um, you know, and, and if we did get to that 20%, I mean, you're talking about, and this would, be the, this would be the most laughable aspect of it, people investing in the ETF, and you're looking at the ETF going, there's no way they have that physical product. So what would it look like if if we went from say three to even 6% in, in terms of real physical investment? Well, when we talk about the analysts and bring them on the show or read their articles and they talk about $10,000 gold, they're basing that on two very simple premises. One would be okay. gold in relation to the amount of money in circulation, okay. which is gold the typical argument. Money, yeah. yep, gold versus money. And they can make the argument that gold would reach in the $10,000 range per ounce based on its need to cover as a gold standard. That's where we'd be heading. The second argument is based on where we would go on increased demand in price. And that is the second part of it. And their models, for the most part, predict a doubling of demand. So in and around that 5 6 7% range, if we went to there, they argue would push the price of gold somewhere north of between five to 10,000. Per ounce and silver dragging along at a decent ratio of even fifty to one would be you know hundreds of dollars higher. So if you put a hundred thousand dollars into gold and let's say you had a million dollar portfolio and you put a hundred thousand in and we're basically at two thousand dollars and it goes to ten thousand um, dollars, that's a that's a very large portion. That's over fifty percent of your portfolio all of a sudden in gold ownership just because gold started to take off. And what's interesting about that is you kind of don't care about what happens to the stock market if you've got that allocation in gold. 
that's what insurance does. You hope it doesn't pay out, but if it does, you're taken care of. Ironically, actual insurance policies are having a tough time because where do they put the money in order to create gains for the payout? Bond market at negative yields? A bond market, stock market? They're leaving the bond market. REITs? Like where, yeah. where you know, think about it. Where are these where are these insurance companies putting their money that is not putting the, the, the money at risk? Well, they're going to be going into gold because, one, the mainstream... Wait, hold on a second. You just said you think the insurance companies are going to go into gold? I do. I do. And it's... it's if you look at this week, we watched a few videos. I, I took uh, a few videos in from the World Gold Council. I don't necessarily always subscribe to their view. They're very pro-gold, obviously, for many obvious reasons. But um, when I do watch, I try to look at what their research is telling them. And their research is telling them that uh, in the U.S. market in particular, because it's the largest bond market in the world, they're lightening the load. Despite the low interest rate um, 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 atmosphere, they're lightening the load, which is meanings they have to go somewhere else to get those returns. Can't go into other paper assets because the bonds are producing some among the best. Yeah. Uh, so they are looking at gold. And I guarantee you that's the first thing we're going to see throughout next year as this develops into a further recession. Amazing. We'll track that story. Quick 30 seconds. You wanted to talk about Cyprus. Yes, Cyprus. On the list of people who own gold or countries that own gold, they rank, in fact, number 69 with 13.9 tons or 70% of the reserves. That's a country that's been beaten down financially. They've had the rug pulled out from them, had bank runs. They basically don't exist in the eyes of the EU anymore. They have detrimental debt in every corner of their economy, and there's no recovery in the near future. Yet they own more gold than Canada does. You can own more than Canada if you want to keep building your portfolio. Let's do it together at Guildhall, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. You've been listening to The Real Money Show. We look forward to hearing from you uh, throughout the week, and we look forward to talking with you again next week on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.